0: Welcome to Spark My Muse, everyone. Today, my guest is Ashley Hales. Ashley is a writer, speaker, a church planter with her husband in Southern California suburbs and the author of Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. Thank you for being my guest today, Ashley.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: You write that 50% of Americans live in the U.S. in the suburbs, and the United States suburbs are basically a mid 20th century invention. And at the time, I know they were available almost exclusively more or less to white affluent classes Mm -hmm. uh, after basically after World War Two, what we call suburbia are these sprawling residential and shopping areas that are developed outside mid and large size cities. Mm -hmm. And they seem to basically promise the good life, would Mm -hmm. you say?
1: Yes. Yes, I think, you know, they kind of held out this idea, at least in their geography, when they were first built. And I think it's still true today. But this idea that, yeah, you can kind of have the best of both worlds, you can live it, you can work in the city, be, you know, successful in the city. And yet you can kind of retreat into this sort of country manor like residence where everything is safe and bucolic and lovely. um, And you don't, you're not responsible for the ills that you would find in the city.
0: Mm, Excellent point, because a lot of people in other countries don't have that kind of access to cars or transportation necessarily to take them back out into the lovely countryside. So this suburban life includes many options like more spacious or beautiful homes in planned developments where the streets might end in these safe quiet cul-de-sac dead ends mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, these communities often they boast superior schools with less crime in the community mm-hmm. parks and recreation options I know um organized sports opportunities and activities for children that you might not find in an urban settings mm-hmm. maybe yeah And you mentioned that suburban life offers the safety of the rural setting but it's usually a short distance to drive or get transportation to the excitement and all the benefits of the metropolitan center Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of a lot of times that people have like oh i have a dream home idea and and it wouldn't necessarily be in the bustling city
1: right yes it yes it gives like i think the idea of the suburban life is that you can have it all and you can kind mm. of consume your place um and you can go to the city when you want and you can go to the suburbs when you want you can mm-hmm. you know you're you're equidistant from all of these places and so you can you can choose how best to spend your time where you want to
0: mm. and uh that really picks up on <laughs> One of these gods of individualism maybe we can talk about in a minute, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you speak of, I think, so accurately and and so um, powerfully in your book. You talk about, directly, about our hungers and our comforts that we use to satiate mm, our hungers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I think this applies, of course, and, and I'm sure you agree, uh, this applies to everybody, not just suburbanites that we all have hungers and we all have comforts mm-hmm. but in suburbia at least or people who have a little bit of disposable income we might not realize that we're using comforts for our hungers mm, yeah and maybe you can speak a little bit to that you you well i guess i'll say first um You write, feeling our hunger is the first step towards remembering who we are, and healing begins at the place of hunger. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I use the idea of hunger all throughout the book, um, because I think it's another way for me to kind of get at some of uh, St. Augustine's idea about restlessness, that our hearts are restless until we rest in God. And I think a lot of us in the suburbs particularly haven't really thought carefully about how our place informs our hungers, and Mm. we have the disposable income, like you're saying, to kind of mute um, and numb those hungers. And so I think it is to be human is to be hungry, to be to long to be filled, to find our place, to have good work to do, to create community, you know, to do good in the world. And I think God has given us all of those hungers. And yet I think they have turned into kind of this myopic view of how to satisfy those hungers often in the suburbs, um, where it looks like we only care about ourselves as individuals or our own nuclear family um, or our, you know, our voting group or, you know, whatever it is. Um, But I think it's true. Yeah, we are built to be hungry, hungry people. And the challenge, I think, for suburban Christians particularly is to say, to try to get down to what are those actual hungers, because we can endlessly distract ourselves um, from Mm -hmm. those actual hungers.
0: I think also there's actually some shame to to having hungers because mm. you should have it all right, right. you've you got everything you wanted, and uh you have the square feet and you have the big garage and the cars and and you have the kids in soccer and whatever right. and then yet you're still hungry mm. and and it's a shameful thing, of course, it's not because everybody is hungry right. and that's that's the myth that, that somehow you'll be cured of your hunger right.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's an important point to note, too, that, yeah, so we keep just doing the same thing, right? We keep taking all the kids to soccer practice. We keep, you know, we upgrade the kitchen, or we go on the nice vacation, um, or we just distract ourselves with Netflix, you know, whatever it is that we <laughs> we do to try to get out from the shame, like you were saying, or, yeah, and just to say, you know what, there's something in me that's longing for something deeper, something bigger, something greater to belong to. Mm-hmm.
0: And are the hungers, besides the typical ones that people have, do you feel like there's ones in, in this sort of utopian attempt, this, this bubble that, that you notice more than other types? Mm, yeah, you know,
1: I think I've, for, for where, we're, where we are in the Southern California suburbs, the thing I have noticed most often is busyness um, the tendency to kind of overschedule ourselves, uh, to feel like we have to do this, that this is required. And um, without just saying, we can say no, like mm-hmm. our kids don't need to do this. We don't need to do this. We don't have to live lives that are this busy and frenetic because our actual pace is going to inform our, you know, our soul level space and our hurry and rush is going to impact, you know, the, yeah. our internal selves. Um, so I think busyness, I see a ton of busyness, um, And even just this, I think, this tendency towards distraction, um, to not ask hard questions, to not give our self silence and space and time to really interrogate those kind of larger yearnings and hungers and desires that we're experiencing.
0: I can see it's it's a little bit of a trap because if you don't feel like you're stimulated and you're bored, then you can feel hungry again Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Um, and feel like something's wrong instead of that something is human about you (laughs) right right (laughs) Uh, yeah I know with with my own children they're they're teenagers now but it was like everybody else is doing this why can't I Mm -hmm. do it too Mm -hmm. and I was like you can be in one thing (laughs) right that's exactly what we do yeah (laughs) but what was interesting is that we had time as a family kind of Not plenty of time, but quite a bit of time. But no one else did. And so that meant that uh, my daughter was asking a lot of kids, come on over, come on over. And and nobody had time. And so it was a real strange... You also have to be on the same page as other people culturally, too, to to line up, to have the time together. And it, it felt like... I don't know if it did for my kids because this is all they know. But for me, I felt really we're countercultural because in the evenings, we do have time. We aren't watching TV. I mean, we're we're interacting a little bit and we're on our computer in other ways, perhaps. But it just felt like we're not racing around and we're the weirdos. Right.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I know. I think we even get that with like, oh, your kids don't play sports on Sunday. Like, I'm like, yeah, we can say no to that even if they're on the sports team we can say no because mm-hmm. yeah otherwise we are endlessly moving and we are by how we live our lives we are yeah. choosing what we love
0: right i mean if if your kids are going to be professional soccer players then you have to really dedicate your life right <laughs> but after that it, there's a lot of things that can you can pass on, and I think there, you're right. There's a lot of pressure to be like, "Well, you must not really care as a mom unless you're part of the PTO, right. and you're a booster, and you're this and you're that." And it's like, really, <laughs> because a lot of this is going to be, mm-hmm. no one's going to even remember the the busy kids. Actually, as I ask my daughter's friends, you know, what did you do this summer? It was packed, and they don't even remember mm-hmm. what what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they remember, like, really weird stuff, like, you know, the time they spilled cereal in the kitchen, mm-hmm. but, like, none of the times that were packed with all of the right. camp, sports mm-hmm. camps and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and it's it's really strange, but... The the slower pace, and I'm sure there's different pressures depending on which neighborhoods you live in and, and where you are. We're in a more rural area, and it is a little slower here. Everybody says so when they come through yeah. and their radio stations just drop out. Right, <laughs> But um, it is a slower pace here. But depending on where you live, it's you don't even realize probably the pressure that you're under until you take a step back, do you think?
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's just so many hidden hurts and aches in the suburbs or, you know, in any place where we're trying to kind of keep up with the Joneses, um, you know, Mm -hmm. there's there's divorce and there's addiction and, you know, and there's poverty, there's huge debt. And the sense that we can't even though it was a place kind of created for community, this feeling Mm -hmm. that like we have to be perfect, we have to have everything together, like our landscape looks perfect. We have our white picket fence. And so my life mm. needs to be perfect. And I like, we've just experienced, no, like no one's lives are perfect. Um, and we like, if our geography is actually lending us and, you know, pointing us towards one another, how can we step out, um, mm. you know, to actually be good community, uh, to one another.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, something you mentioned in the book—you talk about the cul-de-sac, you know, where the houses are pointing mm-hmm. towards each other mm-hmm. at the end of the street—and but you can go in and out of your house with your car, you know, air-conditioned, and then put your garage door down and potentially never know or meet your neighbors, except for if you're maybe not in Southern California, but if in northern places, right. if you're shoveling your yep. if you're yep. shoveling yourself out, yep. you can meet neighbors. If you're maybe putting out the garbage or getting the mail. But Mm -hmm. other than that, there aren't a lot of opportunities unless you really go out of your way. How do you address that in your neighborhood? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I think, you know, what we, my husband is kind of our little neighborhood representative. So we've tried to like put ourselves out there and, you know, be on planning committees as we can. But um, you know, certain things, you know, I've noticed in our, our little spot, we have like 50, 55 homes. And, you know, there's still only probably 10, houses of people who want to like get together regularly um and that's just like a few times a year like hey let's have a barbecue it's halloween we're gonna meet you know do a potluck or something um and so that's frustrating because it's like people move here for the community and um, that's why people tend to move to the suburbs it's great for the kids and there's a great community um so i mean for us we've also tried to say okay we're gonna just walk our streets regularly as a family we're gonna get to know people we're gonna look at the particularities of our neighborhood um, try to notice its needs. Pray for our neighborhood. Like so, we just try to actually spend a lot of time on our calendar that we put on the calendar to be outside. Um, mm. And granted, that's a little bit easier in Southern California. We can do that year round. Um, but I, you know, I think there is this sense of like, hey, if I'm going to shovel my snow, like who can I try to contact? Or like I'm going to notice when other people are shoveling and make sure I'm out there at the same time. So just like, even small little steps of intentionality, I feel like, can really grow our neighborhoods into better places wherever we live
0: mm. yeah that's that's really interesting I know um I it's maybe a generational thing uh, too I'm not sure because it hasn't been my own lived experience but I was speaking with my aunt who's close to 80 and they live in a in a developed area for you know seniors mm-hmm. over 55 65 mm-hmm. but, but they make a point of of having people to dinner maybe once a week or going to someone's place Mm -hmm. once a week Mm -hmm. and I know that it's different when you don't have kids but they she said it in a way like well if we lived you know where their vacation home is um, there's a lot of people who still work and maybe we couldn't uh, get to know them as well because everybody's so busy Mm -hmm. but it sounds like their regular life is a lot of neighborly connection yeah that's great And I wasn't sure if it was a generational difference or if it was because they're not working anymore. And I was thinking, will there be a time when people connect? Or Mm. like you talk about place informing your life. Mm -hmm. And all this time you spend in a place where you're not connecting, does that become how you're formed and how Maybe. you're yeah i think you know, so so yeah so self reliant but then not even thinking that you need that connection right yeah i mean
1: we see it all the time in our church plant and we see it in our neighborhood right it's when people are having like disruption to that nice cookie cutter kind of life um that then they actually realize oh my goodness i mm. need community um but yeah i think i think that generally if we are not undergoing some kind of suffering or failure or frustration, um, we will be formed by the story of our places. And at least the story of the suburbs, as far as I can tell, as far as kind of the, the version that I li- of suburban life that I live in, this kind of affluent, upwardly mobile um, place, is that it's really, it is forming us away from one another. Um, it is forming us into consumers of our places and consumers mm. of people um and it is not w- naturally lending even if our geography in some ways naturally lends itself to community building um it is something that needs to become intentional and it can just be very small like saying hello to the neighbor saying hey i know we've lived by you for 5 years but i don't know your name <laughs> you know like mm, just yeah. small things like that where you know hey we're having we're going to have like a potluck for, you know, at, for pies and games or whatever over Thanksgiving week, we'd love for you to come. Um, And yeah, and just practicing little, little small acts of intentionality towards other people helps us to get out of ourselves. It helps us to see that the world and our worldview is not the only one that we kind of see. Um, I think it just, it grows us into more generous, compassionate people.
0: Hmm. I want to unpack what you talk about about consumerism because that really sneaks up as an insidious sort of mm-hmm. hidden an influencer and and also like an obvious influencer right. and it, it works into individualism as well but I see consumerism in myself and this isn't working out for me <laughs> this yeah. isn't working out for my needs and whatever mm-hmm. you see it with I'm sure you've seen it with church planting for, yeah. is this is this church Does it almost like consumer reports like
1: check my boxes?
0: (laughs) Right, right. I have these boxes. Is everything okay? And instead of like, where people would really need each other. It would be just a collection of people kind of hanging on to each other and saying, we're going to make it we're going to do okay. But in a place where there's more affluence, you might have people kind of making it on their own and mm-hmm. then they go on a trip and they have no one to look in on their cat right Cause they've never connected with anybody yeah. that they can trust in enough to let into their home and yet it's a real weird situation but you do have a, a consumer mindset like you said i was wondering if you could speak a little more to to how that plays into to regular life how do you break that sort of spell or that hidden influencer
1: yeah no it's a it's a great question um and I think it's so tempting just to feel like, oh, well, if I just have this, then I'll be okay, you know, um, and it can be really small, like, I just, you know, once I get the right throw pillows for my couch, like, then I can have people over or, you know, um, yeah, a new pair of jeans or whatever it is, uh, that kind of strikes our fancy. And for me, I think I've realized I need to just pay attention to my triggers. And that's one thing I try to remember, like, When I'm feeling discontent in my soul, when I'm not resting in who Jesus says I am, or I'm not living out of that towards other people, I'm going to start focusing and spiraling on all of these things that I don't have, whether it's the house Mm -hmm. or, you know, perfect relationship or, you know pair of jeans or whatever. And so when I start going to, you know, those shopping apps or whatever, or, you know, wandering mindlessly in Target, like I realize, okay, what it's just to stop and say, what 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 is happening in my soul that like this is this is a trigger, this is a symptom for something deeper that's going on. Um and so even just asking yourself that question, like, where do I go when things are hard or um, why, why do I want these yellow throw pillows? Like what's going on there? Um, and then, and then maybe even to say like, maybe during a period of the year, something small, like I'm not going to go shopping for this month. Um, one of my friends, she makes her living like blogging, um, and doing fashion, um, and thrifting and things like that. And yet she still says, okay, even though that's that's how she makes her living like she has a no shopping month and so she'll be like how can i creatively restyle my outfits um, mm. and so allowing ourselves to remove ourselves from our norm for a period of time like our normal habits just to kind of like kickstart us like detox from some of those tendencies that we don't even know that we might be falling prey to mm.
0: yeah that's that's a really good point and and also that's that's kind of addressing our our comforts that that we use to to satiate our hungers, because Mm -hmm. we really aren't going to know unless we take some inventory. Um, It it reminds me, too, of the... um, um, Alcoholics, I, I might be Alcoholics Anonymous who, who use the HALT acronym. It's if you're hungry, mm-hmm. angry, yeah. t- uh, lonely, or tired. Mm-hmm. And then you will go to, you know, alcoholics will go to alcohol. But we're all experiencing yeah, different right. kinds of addiction. I, yeah. I don't know anybody who isn't addicted at this point right. to their cell phone. I know. I mean, I know I am. I am too. <laughs> I just
1: got like the new update and it tells you how long you're on. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that.
0: <laughs> don't tell me that truth. Right. right. And and so I know that um I've you know, tried to have a little bit of a, a break from from Twitter, social apps and social media apps and stuff like that over the summer. And it went pretty well. But the first mm, two, three, four days, I was like, something feels really wrong. And it was because I felt disconnected. But it wasn't a true connection that I ever had either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's what can happen in in suburbia, where you feel disconnected from other from neighbors and from just human connection mm-hmm. and so you rely on other things yeah. maybe it's retail therapy maybe it's i mean i'm not sure maybe it's netflix binging but but whatever it is there's probably something that we are doing or multiple things that we're doing uh, that we're trying to satisfy hungers yeah. there and yeah. it might be that our our bourgeois or disposable income is that thing that we thought would make us happy, actually, is more, we're more miserable with it. But it's, it's a real strange thing, because it it applies probably to everyone, but we're not really aware.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think in certain places, like, you know, I, I've never lived in New York City, but I imagine like, that kind of fast paced success driven environment, Mm. just because it's so large and so expensive, you're gonna have different issues and different problems, Mm -hmm. but maybe they stare Mm -hmm. you in the face a little bit more than kind of this half life in between like suburban space (laughs) where, like, you can both be successful, but you can kind of insulate yourselves from problems and you can, Mm. uh, to some extent. Um, And so I, I wonder if, in places, in like larger urban environments, or even in more rural environments, things that are a little bit more extreme, that we're able to kind of see those things for what they are, I don't know. Whereas Mm. maybe Mm -hmm. when we're trying to kind of have it all and, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that uh, in the suburbs, it might we might just be a little bit more blind to how that culture shapes our hearts. Mm. I don't know that we'd have to speak to
0: people who are in different places to see, but. Right, but you're right, uh, wherever we are, it is shaping us, and and who we are around is shaping us, or who we're not around. Mm-hmm. You know, is is leaving a gap, perhaps that could be, that perhaps should be filled with with wise people who care about the mm. same sorts of of things that are going to care for their souls. Mm. Um, you you advise that we should commit to staying locally grounded, and I, I like how you say that. Can you speak to that and and how hospitality fits into that?
1: Yeah. So I think. I mean, I always believe that God, he calls us to particular places, um, particular vocations and different places, and that unless he is calling us away from, from something, he's also, if he is calling us away, rather, he's calling us to something, you know, and so if God is not calling us to away from something, then I I think the call is really just to stay put and to do that well. Um mm. And so I think for us um, being here and we're starting a church and we're starting kind of, you know, new life in a new spot, it's really been the call to be hospitable. And my husband likes to say, you know, the God of the Bible throws great parties. And that was kind of our, especially on the ground, how are we going to start this church? It was, we're going to throw some great parties because God is about celebration. And he he loves, you know, think of the, the parable of the prodigal son, right, with the when the when the son comes back that the father throws this massive party and grace is like that and so we wanted to figure out what does that look like here in the suburban context and often sometimes it does look like great big parties that are fun and are meaningful and it's just super enjoyable but sometimes it looks like just regular ordinary hospitality in our house but it's just we do it regularly and so um for us too where we are it's pretty affluent so Like people want to have like, you know, like you see on all of these HGTV shows, right? Where they want like (laughs) all of these, you know, the huge kitchen because they're always going to entertain and you realize maybe they're not going to entertain. They're probably just going to eat takeout like most other people. (laughs) But like I think that's the idea, right? Is if you're going to have someone into your home, your home has to be perfect. It has to be beautiful. It has to be all picked up and you're going to like have this fancy thing. Um, But I think really... We have just tried to keep it pretty bare bones hospitality as much as we can here. Um, one, because it feels like it's hard to get, you know, to nail down dates with people cause everyone's rushing around.
0: And so it's just
1: <laughs> like, Hey, come on over. Or we did recently this summer. My husband was like, I'm going to bring the grill out to our street. We'll grill hot dogs for <laughs> all the kids, set up a table and people just oh. like bring stuff. And so to really just say, Hey, Hey, hospitality is about being present to people and, uh, it's not about Mm -hmm. having a perfect anything. Um, so how can we do that? And so, um, Mm -hmm. and, and to also, I think we've really tried to invite people into our home and say that that makes a difference. That's a different level of intimacy and Mm -hmm. care for someone rather than it's important to meet kind of, you know, outside and do that. But, um, from where we are, everyone's happy to you know have a beverage and watch a kids play outside and so to say hey you are welcome in my home I think makes a big impression mm. of care
0: yeah and also like allowing people this this is this was hard for me to get over uh too because my mom was such a clean freak mm. and then I kind of went to the other side <laughs> Let's just say. Yeah. So then when she comes over, she's like, hmm, when was the last time you cleaned your curtains? Well, since when you, when you were here the last time, that's when. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And so I felt kind of ashamed to have people over because, you know, it's not like my mom kept the house. And I realized, too, that when I came over to somebody's house that not was filthy, but, yeah. you know, that was maybe cluttered a little bit. I actually felt more relaxed because it wasn't they're not uptight, so then I wouldn't have to be uptight yeah. if I if I had them over. Yeah. It was like, you know, I'm gonna it, I'm not gonna clean up everything. I'm of course the bathroom and the kitchen yeah. are gonna be clean. And that there might be some books stacked up. Yeah. And if I go to your house, I'm not gonna be you know, there's not gonna be any judging or anything. And I think that sometimes you can that actually can be a breath of fresh air to people that they they're like oh well when I went there you know it didn't seem to matter so maybe it won't matter yeah and it's you're just seeing the real you and not the cleaned up (laughs) right
1: and yeah it's a good little heart check I think right because otherwise I I have had times where you know I'm running around yelling at my kids like you have to clean up (laughs) because you know I'm really in that moment more worried about what people think about me and not about them and trying to be a space to welcome them
0: yeah, Christiana Peterson was on my show, and she was talking a lot about hospitality, too, uh, When uh, that she learned in a really embodied way, not communal living, what was it, intentional community. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me that, that I've really tried to pull into hospitality is she was talking a lot about it's not really what you're giving, uh, that you are really receiving from people. You're not hostessing, you know. Mm, the, yeah. And and I think when people see that you are open and receiving of them, it, it opens up this whole new floor or something of mm. this whole new level. And uh, although it's hard, because I I know when people are not used to coming over, they're used to just being in their own homes. Mm-hmm. I've had people. I say, yeah, we're going to be doing something. They're like, well, why? They thought I was doing like um like one of those parties where you buy stuff from a catalog. Oh, right. <laughs> and I'm like. i'm like i don't do any of those but they're like well why are you having a party i'm like just because it's fun wow yeah (laughs) and
1: and, you know we have a i think it's the only reason you'd have a a party right is because you have to buy something
0: to sell something yeah or or um and then you know my neighbor came over and her mother-in-law said why would your neighbor have you over for something and and she said, because we're friends." Yeah. and she's like, "That's really strange because <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> we weren't' cause we weren't family right." And It was, like, the strangest thing she'd ever heard. And I was like, okay. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. For some people who, like, for, for some people, they have their family over. In, in the area where we are, mm-hmm. a lot of families live here mm-hmm. for generations, yeah. and they have family over, but they don't really necessarily have friends over. Some do, and some don't. Right. And we don't have family here, so we have friends over. Right. <laughs> but this is, like, sometimes you're, know, like, having people over, and they're kind of like, I'm wondering, we're, you know, we're not going to, like, go through your wallet or something, right. you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just this hors d'oeuvres. Is, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's even social anxiety over it. I'm not really sure, but mm. the regular ways that people have interacted for a long time have, have sort of, they've sort of changed. Now maybe if mm. you're watching football then you have like an activity and, and that seems normal, right. but there seems like just to come over and talk and, um, Maybe have some pie and talk and have a little campfire. Unless it's a youth group thing. I've gotten a real, like, weird eyeball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm just trying to speak to you.
0: <laughs> I Just, just I
1: trying like to get food to know and, you. And we'll eat some food. It's okay.
0: <laughs> they're kind of like, well, for, for how long? For hours? <laughs> like,
1: you can leave anytime you want. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I remember... When we were, my husband and I did grad school in Scotland, and we would go over to people's homes, I mean, not every week, but, you know, they would have a service in the morning and the evening, and it would be like they would serve this lovely, you know, roast or something right after that first service. And very, very often we would just spend the entire afternoon with them and then go to church again in the evening. Um, this was before kids. That's a little bit easier (laughs) for us, but, um, but not always for them. You know, there were, there were big families Mm -hmm. who were, who were hosting us and that kind of relaxed sense of being in someone else's home, you know, has stuck with me for, you know, more than a decade now. I think, I think we don't know what to do with it, but I think we're hungry for it.
0: I totally agree. Yeah. And, um, when my when I was growing up, and I was a kid, we went to a real small church. If anybody came that was new, that's exactly what my family did. My mom, even though she's a neat freak and a wonder, you know, <laughs> she would say, "Oh, come on over. We'll we'll make something." And and uh, they just came to our house, and that's how it was. Mm-hmm. I know that not everybody grew up like that, and you know, this is times have really changed and they've really sped up. But I wonder what we can do that. That would maybe seem weird the first time, but then would seem really nice to know that you're welcome at somebody's house on a Sunday, you know, and that mm-hmm. it was going to be they were going to be free that day, or the the game would be on, but you could come over and talk and right. share a snack, yeah. And if that felt, at least for some people, like a new normal, like mm-hmm. that was, like I mean, that's the Sabbath rest that yeah. like was a real legaliz- legalistic thing once for people, yeah. You know, you were shamed if you-, <laughs> right. if you
1: went and got your groceries, or <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you went to the mall because you're a sinner. <laughs> yeah, but but there's something if you did take that into to consideration and you thought this is a day where we're going to have like three hours, we can have friends over, we can talk, and we can snack and mm-hmm. and whatever we want. That um, people are welcome to the house, and I know it's almost like an open house mm-hmm. on on these three hours. Mm-hmm if that became something people did again mm-hmm. it might be a nice way to connect with people cuz the time at church feels feels a lot different than being in someone's house mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah no i think that would be great and then you're you know you can take some of those those moments of the service into conversations and you're mm-hmm. actually like getting it into your body in a different way than just here i go and i'm going to consume this nice spiritual experience and then leave and then you know go back to my normal
0: life yeah. Well, you know, it's a common trope to mock and malign suburban life, like everybody yeah. seems to do it. <laughs> and and some people feel like, you know, they shouldn't even mention that they live in the suburbs or something like that. And, yeah. and some people feel sort of disempowered. They get stuck not knowing how can they live meaningfully in the suburbs? Yeah. And you really mention in your book that people shouldn't abandon the suburbs. And you know, what what do you think should happen? What do you think people should do?
1: Hmm. I think the first, you know, the first call would really be um and I hope that the book helps with us is to just encourage suburbanites just to kind of wake up and see that their place is not, you know, just the way things are or the way things, how things ought to be, but to really ask good questions about your place. You know, how is this, how is this place forming me? What are the values of this place? How does the geography, you know, both insulate me or push me outward? What's good about that? What is challenging about that? Um, You know, to just to kind of. Wake up. (laughs) Because, you know, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, having grown up in the suburbs myself, um, it really wasn't until I went away, um, you know, that Mm -hmm. we lived in cities, we lived overseas, uh, that I was able to say, okay, I understand how this place is different. And maybe that's the same for any childhood where you don't, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have the, the language until you've really become an adult to understand yourself. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, but I think you know the first call would be really just wake up to to look carefully at how your place shapes your loves um and then to stay put and to start small unless God is calling you away somewhere else. So, you know, to be rooted, to say, you know, yeah, I would like, you know, the bigger house up the hill, or I would like to be maybe in this downtown area, but I'm not there right now. You know, I am actually here on this street amongst these actual real people and not this abstract sense of what suburbia is like. Um, And so look at the people who are in front of you. Who needs to be seen? What are the needs that you can meet? You know, stay put and start really, really small. Um, So like that might be, just like sending a text to a neighbor and say, Hey, let's get together for a walk or, you know, let's, um, you know, I'd love to have, let's meet for coffee. And then you can increasingly kind of grow that intimacy with different people that you're looking to meet people, you know, start really small. And the book is really one thing I've found that readers have really appreciated is at the end of every chapter, I give either kind of practices of hospitality or, Counter liturgies, you know, to living that kind of consumeristic lifestyle. That just are really great starting points to actually try it out, see how it goes.
0: Mm. I think that's excellent about asking yourself questions. And when I have been the most consumer mindset person, I have really thought of people as a bother. Mm. And uh, just to be just just to be really frank, not that every person is a bother, but there are some people in my neighborhood who I feel are a bother and and like, oh, I don't want to get into this long conversation with so and so or this person drives me crazy. And, you know, and we can start that's consumerism, really.
1: Yeah, we're consuming our time and we're focusing it all on ourselves. Yeah, I was
0: like, this this isn't going to please me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I want a better experience. Yes. You know, um, and it's interesting how uh, because I have the. Privilege, you could say, of choosing whether or not I want to interact, I'll choose what I prefer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if if we really needed each other, this neighbor and I, mm. of course, we would figure out how to make it work the best for both of us. Mm. But but since I can choose to take or leave this neighbor, I will be selfish. You know, in mm. in my worst moments, I will be selfish, mm-hmm. and, so, and so that's why it really takes some some nerve and some. You know the spirit of God. I think to to convict our hearts to say, in truth, yes, <laughs> yes, some of these people might be difficult to get to know, and they might have they might be messy, and they might have problems. But we all do need each other, and that's that's the thing about working through. Um, Eugene Peterson, who just mm-hmm. sadly passed mm-hmm. away, he talks about being involved in the church that's closest to your home. Yes. And staying mm-hmm. when the people start to get difficult to deal with, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> because that actually makes you mature yes. as a as a person and in the the fruit of the spirit. Because of course you can leave anytime you want, just pop over to a new church. Right. But um, will you be any more like Christ if you mm-hmm. do that? Mm. You know, will you have learned anything about yourself as a human being or the human condition? And and it's really a challenge when you're. When you're an American and you have enough money to spend a little bit on this, a little bit on that disposable income, and then people become the same yeah. kind of way to you, yes. it's really convicting to me to to read a book like yours and to see, Ah, I, dang it, I am a consumer. <laughs> <laughs> dang yeah. it, I, didn't, I thought, you know, because I don't get my nails done and right. I don't go shopping a lot. Right. I'm like, I still am a consumer. Right. Yeah. And um, I want to... Uh, you know, ask God to ch- chip away at that in my heart. Yeah.
1: And you know, the good thing is, like, I hope to I the you know, the book is calling us to repent, not because to shame us, right. But to mm-hmm. to say that that is where a real relationship happens. And I am the first to admit, I have, the, I have a really hard time because I don't like being wrong. And I, you know, I don't want to apologize. And I want to explain all my reasons for everything. But Um, You know, that God, that that is an invitation to intimacy is to repent and then to really live Mm -hmm. out of who Jesus says we are instead of like, well, I've checked all my non-consumer boxes or, you know, like (laughs) my ethical citizenship for the, you know, for the week or. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, when you mentioned that you were raised in the suburbs, now you're back in the suburbs. When did it dawn on you as you as you moved away from where you lived as a growing, growing up or as a child? When did it dawn on you? Wow. Things are really different.
1: Yeah, you know, so I went to, um, I moved away, I, both my husband and I, oddly, we didn't move out of the uh, houses that we came home, home from the hospital to, um, so our parents still live in the same houses, so they have stayed wow. stayed put, um, and so yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, really, when you think about it, but um, so I think we just had this very, both of us had very stable families and stable um, growing up years. And so we went away to college about the same time. Um, So that was kind of a first move. We went to Westmont College in Santa Barbara. And, you know, there was a sense of like, oh, this is different. But, you know, there's still the beach is still close by. There's some mountains like I kind of feel like I'm at summer camp and it's great, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So it really wasn't until probably post-college where we lived in Los Angeles and Pasadena area where we walked to work, like from our little apartment and we could walk to like the downtown area of Pasadena. Um, And it kind of, it became something different, like just in our normal routes, right? That we were kind of had this kind of commuter sort of lifestyle. We could have people over uh, to our little apartment. Um, but then, you know, when we moved, we moved a year after that to Scotland, um, and I had done some overseas, um, like work, um, during, uh, undergrad. And so those sorts of, those sorts of times away out of the country were the huge shocker, (laughs) like, Mm. you know, and, um, we were in the UK with a lot of trouble, um, happening over, in the Middle East. And so it wasn't really popular to be American um, in the UK at that time. And so it became not like, I I had to figure out kind of what's my national identity? How do I fit into this culture that's foreign to me and yet is familiar to me? You know, how do I hear what they're saying and yet be true to myself? How do I respect their culture? Um, And just to say, and obviously, and that we were in Edinburgh, which is like a several hundred year old city. And so, you know, and then there's like, volcanic crag with a medieval castle on top of it in the middle. So you are very much aware of your place in history um, and how the place kind of shapes you, Um, you know, walking around and seeing statues of Adam Smith or something and going, wow, like he actually walked these streets. This is crazy. Um, And so I think some of those kind of lessons um, really, made their way back, even just as we returned to the suburbs to think about, okay, we were used to being, um, we're used to being strangers a little bit. We're used to being out of place. We lived in Utah. And so we were obviously not from the dominant religious culture there. Um, and so we are used to figuring out what does it look like to live in this place well? Um, how does this place shape these people? How do we talk about Jesus in terms of this place? And so, the, I mean, those have been the questions, kind of, of our adult lives. So it kind of makes sense to to write a
0: book on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you wherever you are, you can get you can get blinded to how that place is informing you and and further blinding you uh, to potential things that that can hinder your spiritual growth and just your connection with other people, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I even see it just now that it's been like a few years that we've been here. Is like I'm just kind of a little bit more into my routine. And so I just, it's just asking those good questions, noticing your triggers, you know, these sorts of things to kind of keep waking us up when we are staying. But
0: Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice or an ask that you'd like to tell my listeners as we wrap it up?
1: Hmm. You know, I think I just would love to encourage your listeners to, you know, if you are, you know, if you believe this story of the gospel, just to bank bank your life on it. See what happens. <laughs> because, um, you know, for me, coming home to the suburbs was kind of a death of sorts because it wasn't kind of how I envisioned my life to go. And and so I really had to say, okay, is, is this story of who Jesus is, his life, his death, his resurrection, is that actually true? And if that's actually true, and my circumstances are not always up and to the right how do I reconcile that? Um, you know, how do I, rec- is God good when things aren't going my way or, you know, I'm suffering or my circumstances are bad? How, how can I actually figure out how to live that reality well? So, yeah, I would just encourage your listeners to take a huge leap and just like test out that story. Is it, is it true? Is that story a better story to wrap yourself up in than the story that your place tells you?
0: Mm, Excellent. Well, tell everybody where they can find you the best places to find you and uh, dig in more to what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So you can my website is aahales.com. And thankfully, I must have joined like social media early enough because like pretty much all my handles are also aahales on Instagram and Twitter. So (laughs) that was lovely. (laughs) Yeah. And you can get Finding Holy in the Suburbs at University Press's website, my publisher or Amazon or wherever books are sold.
0: Very good. And this will also have show notes with all the uh, links to click and connect with you as well. I always like to offer that to everybody who didn't hear it right. It's A A Hales is is H A L E S. Yeah. Yep. So this has been great. And um, do you have anything that you're working on after after this or Ooh,
1: that's such a fun just- question.
0: Sinking deeply into this for now. Right now,
1: I am sinking deeply into this. But I, you know, I've been thinking through just, you know, what are the things that really, as I'm having conversations like with you, Lisa, what are the things that people feel like they want to know more about? So I would love it. Yeah, if your listeners wanted to contact me and let me know, what are the things that you're like? Ooh, this really gets right at what I need to hear.
0: Mm, great Well, I hope you come back on again. This was I would fun. I'd love to. Thank you so much. If you've listened to the show and you've thought, wow, I wish I could find out a little bit more about someone mentioned or a book or a website, that's what show notes are for. Just go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse. Patreon is like patron with an E, patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse. If you enjoyed the show, please rate it on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening.